Well, I think you do know, as Twyla mentioned just a moment ago, that we have been looking at the format for prayer that Christ gave to the disciples. And he began in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 9, and he said, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The first truth that we took from this format for prayer was that we can go to God about anything at any time, at uh, uh, anything that would be on our heart. We have the freedom and we have the liberty to go to the Lord. All we've got to do is remember that he is uh, a hallowed individual, that he is a sacred uh, individual, and we need to treat him with the respect and the reverence that he deserves. And then he said in verse number 10, thy kingdom come is something that we're supposed to be praying for, and that can be difficult sometimes to remember, can it not? Because we get wrapped up in the affairs of this life, we enjoy the activities of this life, and so it's hard for us to think long term like we should sometimes. But then he said, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We ought to be praying for obedience among the, the people who identify themselves as believers. That should be a burden of ours, is that people would live in obedience to the Word of God and to the will of God. And then last week he looked, or he said in verse number 11, give us this day our daily bread. And I tried to remind us that that was not an indication that the disciples were poor and destitute and without, but it did mean this, that over the course of their lives, they would experience legitimate needs. And Christ was saying, when you have those needs, take them to the Lord in prayer. You want to go to God to have those needs met, because even in the days of Christ and the disciples, you had a very worldly approach that you could take. You could go to creditors, you could go to lenders, you could go to physicians, you could go to spiritual leaders of different sorts. And Christ was saying, whenever you have a need, take it to the Lord in prayer. And so last week I tried to remind us that every one of us are well taken care of. God has been far better to us than we deserve, but yet legitimate needs still arise. And when that happens, take it to the Lord in prayer. And uh, kind of the, the final thought was this, what we've got to be careful of is to guard against the wants versus needs. Because it's, it's very easy for us to think, well, this is a need, this is a need, this is a need, when in fact it's really just a want. And we've gotten so accustomed to everything being so easy that we now think, well, this is a need or this is a need. And the Lord would say, no, that, that's not a need, that's a want. And so we've got to be careful and we've got to guard against that. And so that's where we're at up to this point. Tonight we're going to be in verse number 12. And as we get there, I want us to think about something, and I'm going to illustrate this just a couple of ways, but you know, if you're honest, that human nature causes us sometimes to want other people to do things that we ourselves don't want to do. We'd sure like somebody else to do this, but we're not going to do it. And as you could illustrate that in so many different ways, I thought of just a couple. I was thinking about children. And uh, we'll pick on them for just a moment because sometimes this could be true of big kids too. But have you ever seen two children wanting the same piece of cake? Try teaching both of those kids to be selfless and giving. That's kind of a hard lesson for both of them to receive sometimes, is it not? They don't mind the other child learning the, the lesson of selflessness and giving, but they don't want to learn that lesson themselves. And so they would sure like the other person to say, no, 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 you take the cake and, and I'll do without. And the other child is saying, no, why don't you say, no, 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 you take the cake and I'll live without. And, and sometimes we adults can be pretty protective of our cake too. But anyways, we'll not stay there. Uh, Adults would say something like this, and, and I know this is maybe a random illustration of sorts, but 
if you've ever talked to people, sometimes you hear that, that those who were once friends are, are no longer talking anymore, and they're no longer visiting anymore, and, and, and they just don't have the same relationship they once did. And you might talk to the person, and you might say, so whatever happened with your friendship with, with so-and-so? And they may say something like this, you know, I, I don't know. They, they, they just quit calling. Oh, they just quit calling. Yeah, they, they, they just stopped calling. You know, they, they just stopped calling and they stopped coming around. They stopped inviting me out to lunch or whatever it was that we used to do. And, and they just quit. And you would respond to them with something like this. Well, what about you calling them? What about you going by to see them? What about you visiting them? What about you inviting them out to lunch? And then they say, well, no, I haven't done it either. But they stopped calling me, and they stopped visiting me, and they stopped doing this, and they stopped doing that. And so the idea is this. I wanted them to put forth all the effort in the relationship. I didn't want to have to do that. And we could spend a lot of time tonight giving different illustrations, but you understand the principle that there are times in our lives where we as people expect someone else to do something that we ourselves don't want to do. Now, as we consider that, tonight I want us to think about something, and that is this. Every one of us tonight would agree that by nature we are sinners. Surely by now we agree with that, right? We are everyone sinners by nature. Now, as we come forth out of the womb into this world, you've heard me say it, you've heard other people say it before, we sin because we're sinners, we're not sinners because we sinned. Sinning for you and I was as natural as anything in this life could be. All right, so every one of us are sinners by nature. That is the way we entered into this world, and that is the way we will exit this world. We are sinners by nature. And here's what the Scripture teaches. As a result of our sin, our sin separates us from God. As a result of our sin, I do not enter into the world with the relationship, a personal relationship with the Lord. And so as I grow and as I mature and as I develop and, and become accountable really for the actions of my life and have an understanding of what it is that I'm doing and the sin that I'm engaging in and partaking of, here is what I, I realize at some point if, if I'm going to be saved, I have to realize that my sin has separated me from God. And so if I'm saved, and if you are saved, and if anyone is going to be saved, at some point, here is what they have to recognize. They have to recognize the truth of Scripture that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation, and Jesus Christ is the only way they can be saved. You cannot be saved with religion. You cannot be saved with good works. You cannot be saved by paying money. You cannot be saved by, by making special journeys and uh, trips to, to certain holy places. No, that has nothing to do with one's salvation. The only way a person can be saved is when they call upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save them from their sins. The key to that is this, is as we recognize Jesus Christ as the only means of salvation, a person must deal with their sin before God. See, if a person is unwilling to admit their sinful condition, they cannot be made right because in order to be made right with God, again, you have to recognize I am a sinner and my sin has separated me from a holy, righteous God. 
And so at some point, as a person is confessing or calling upon the Lord for salvation, there has to be a confessing and an acknowledging of sin that, God, I am a sinner. And at some point, a person has to ask the Lord to forgive them of their sins in order to be made right with Christ. We understand this, right? Pretty basic, pretty simple Bible doctrine if we're honest with the Scripture. So we understand that we are sinners and that our sin separates us from God. And in order to be saved, we have to call upon the name of Christ and ask Him to save us. But in doing so, we have to deal with our sins before God and ask for forgiveness. When that happens, a person generally feels pretty good. When a person has just been born again, there's normally a sense of joy and excitement associated with it. You many times see people begin to weep because of the joy that they're now experiencing. There are many times that people begin to have this big smile on their face that they didn't have just a few moments prior. You hear people say things like this, I feel like a burden has been lifted. I feel like a weight has been lifted off of my shoulders. When a person deals with their sin before an almighty, holy, righteous God, there is this sense of relief that is found in knowing I now have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't that a good thing? But there's another Bible truth that we know that's fairly simple and fairly basic and many times quite frustrating. And that is this, that just because we got saved, our sin nature did not die. Every one of us continue to struggle with the issue of sin in our life. Not one of us has reached perfection. Not one of us will reach perfection. Every one of us would have to say something like this if we were honest. Since the day of our salvation, there have been moments and there have been events or there have been occasions in our life where we have said things that we knew as soon as we said it. That should not have come out of our mouth. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. There have been those moments where we have thought things, and it's like the Holy Spirit arrests our thoughts and begins to say, what in the world are you thinking about? Have you ever had those moments where, where the Holy Spirit, it's, it's like he's saying to you, what? I thought you were a child of God. I thought you were a Christian. Christians don't think that way. And you're like, my goodness, it's exactly right. I shouldn't be thinking that way. I think all of us have done things that we know we shouldn't do. We've been things that we know we shouldn't be. Every one of us, since our moment of salvation, since our moment of dealing with sin in our life, there have still been those moments, there have still been those occasions and those times where we have sinned. Now, I know you know this, but when we sin, it does not terminate or eliminate our salvation or our relationship with Christ. I don't have to be saved or born again every time I sin and every time I fail. But what does happen whenever I allow, listen, when I allow sin to enter into my life, what does happen is this. There begins to be a measure of division in my relationship with the Lord. Things with the Lord are not what they're supposed to be whenever I allow sin to be present in my life. 
And the longer I let sin take place in my life, and the longer that I allow sin to rule and to reign in my life, the more of a division and more of a break I'm going to have in my fellowship with the Lord on a regular, daily basis. And I don't know if you'd say that this has ever been true in your life, but I know that this has been true in my life, where there has been a point in my relationship with Him that I have been so backslidden, so in a position where I should not be as a believer, that there was essentially no personal fellowship whatsoever with the Lord as it could be and as it ought to be. You ever been backslidden? Or is that just something preachers deal with? Now, now, I don't know about you, but when that relationship is not what it's supposed to be, it's a miserable feeling. Now, tonight I want to remind us of something, okay? And we'll get to the scripture in just a moment, but tonight I want to remind us of something, and that is this. Whenever our relationship with the Lord is not what it should be, we can always be guaranteed of this. It is not His fault. There has never been a time in my personal walk with Him when the relationship was not what it was supposed to be, that it was because of a fault or a failure or a mistake on His part. So if there's a, listen, if there is a lack of fellowship, if there is a lack of communion, if there is a lack of sweetness by way of my relationship with Him, I can be assured of this, that it has something to do with what is happening in my life it has absolutely nothing to do with what is happening in the life, so to speak, of God. So if I've allowed sin to get into my life, and if I've allowed sin to take hold in my life, and if I've allowed sin to continue to, to manifest that division in my relationship and the fellowship with the Lord that I once enjoyed, if, I, if I've allowed that to happen and I finally reach a point of frustration and, and disgust with the sin in my life and I want to make things right, then what do I have to do? Well, at some point I have to deal with my sin again, don't I? If you've ever gotten away from God, if you've ever backslidden, if you've ever allowed sin to rule and reign in your life, even as a saved person, if you want the fellowship to be restored and the relationship to be made right, here's what you have to do. You have to say, Lord, I'm sorry. And I'm asking you to forgive me. Now think about this for just a moment. Here's how we work. Whenever we ask the Lord to forgive us of our sin, whether it be something we've said, something we've done, a thought we've entertained, we've been something that we should not be, whenever we ask the Lord to forgive us of our sins, what do we generally expect Him to do? Forgive us. Why? Because the Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So we have this expectation that, Lord, if I sin and I say to you, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me of my sin, then we expect, because He is a righteous God and a faithful God and a just God, that He would be quick to forgive us of the sin we've committed. See, if I say to the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry, please forgive me, here is what I don't expect of Him. I don't expect Him to say no. I don't expect him to say, not now. 
I don't expect him to say something like this. I'm really mad about it, and I'm not sure I'm ready to forgive you. Whenever I sin against the Lord and I go to Him in forgiveness and whenever asking for forgiveness, whenever I go to the Lord and I say, God, I'm sorry because I said this or I allowed this to be my attitude or whatever it is, whenever I go to the Lord in prayer, I never anticipate anything by way of response other than immediate forgiveness. That is what I expect Him to do. Now tonight we know something if we pay attention at all, and that is also this. That sometimes people sin against us. Would you agree? Sometimes people do things to us and they are in the wrong and we had absolutely nothing to do with what that person did. Sometimes people say things to us or about us. And the only conclusion you can come to is this. That was wrong. Sometimes they behave and, and they act in a way that it's just, it's not right. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I've been offended by the actions of other people toward me. Have you ever been offended by the actions of other people towards you? I, I would trust that you have been. I mean, there have been times that Susie's actions toward me have been an offense. There have been times that the actions of the children toward me have been an offense. There have been times that, that the actions of, of family members or friends toward me have been an offense. And, and I have to be honest and tell you that just as my actions affect my relationship with the Lord, so the actions of other people toward me, when they're not right, it affects my relationship with them. See, if Susie is not acting in a way that is kind or sweet or, or what it's supposed to be toward me, then guess what? It, it affects my level of warmth toward her sometimes. Oh, you shouldn't be that way. Yes, teach me, oh great one. It happens to the best of us, does it not? Sometimes when the kids have pushed all of our buttons and, and, and they just continue to do so and, and, and then they expect everything to just be normal and fine and what it's supposed to be, uh, sorry, kiddo, that's not exactly the, the feelings I'm having right now. But on occasion, something like this happens. Someone has offended us, someone has wronged us, they have done something toward us or to us that we don't appreciate, and it affects our relationship with them, but they begin to realize I was wrong. They begin to realize I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have acted that way, I shouldn't have been that way. I was wrong, and then they come to us with what? With the expectation that we will forgive them. 
See, if Susie comes to me after she's done something wrong and she says, babe, I'm sorry, what is her expectation of me? Her expectation is that I would forgive her. If the kids have done something wrong and they come to me and they say, Dad, I'm sorry, their expectation is that I will forgive them. If somebody has said something or done something that's not a part of my immediate family, but they were to come to me and they were to say to me, hey, listen, Kyle, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have, fill in the blank, whatever it was, their expectation is that I would forgive them and the relationship would be restored and be made right. But here's where my sin nature kicks in. Sometimes people come to me seeking forgiveness, anticipating that it will be granted. And you know what my response is? Not now. I'm still mad. Now you can sit here and act like you can't identify with this. But some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Somebody comes and they say, listen, I'm really sorry. I just want you to know I apologize. I shouldn't have said that. And you say, all right. You didn't say, hey, I forgive you. It's done. Don't worry about it. You just said, all right. Finally doing what you ought to be doing, asking for my forgiveness. I don't know if you've ever been so bold as to say something like this, but maybe you've expressed it kind of like this. I don't know that I'm ready to forgive you right now. Sometimes we know that we're supposed to say you're forgiven, but we're going to hold on to it and make sure they know they haven't truly been forgiven. Now think about this. We fully expect the Lord to forgive us every time we offend him, no matter what the offense is. That's what we expect him to do. And yet if the wrong person offends us in a way that hurts us, in a way that truly truly disturbs us, how, however you describe it tonight, if, if that person comes to us and, and they say, would you please forgive me? Many times that's when our flesh kicks in and we don't want to forgive. We don't want to accept the apology. Or we want to say the spiritual words, yes, you're forgiven, but we'll hold it over their head as long as we choose to hold it over their head. Which is not forgiveness. That was a lie. Now notice what Christ said to the disciples in verse number 12. He told them to pray and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Christ said to the disciples, you're going to need to pray this, that, Lord, you would forgive us of our debts or our sins or our trespasses as we forgive the sins or the debts or the trespasses of others against us. Now, what does it mean to forgive our debts as, or to forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors or the ones who have sinned against us? Again, the idea is this, and I know that many of you know this, but the idea is this. God, forgive us in the same manner or in the same fashion that I forgive those who have wronged me. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not how I want to pray. 
God forgive me the same way that I forgive people. Because, see, if I don't forgive the debtor, I'm not going to say, Lord, forgive me the same way, because then what I'm saying is, God, don't forgive me. And of the debtor, I'm not going to say, Lord, the, the, you know, the person that I've still got the grudge against, the one that I'm still holding it over their head, the one that I've said I'm not ready to forgive them yet, listen, I'm not going to pray that God would forgive me in that manner. Why? Because I don't want him holding it over my head. I don't want him saying, no, not now. I'll, I'll forgive you later whenever I feel like it. Uh, listen, I am not going to pray that unless I'm forgiving in the manner in which I should. So if I'm going to pray, Father, forgive us our debts as we, or in like manner, or in the same fashion that we forgive our debtors, then here is what we would have to also begin praying. Lord, help me to learn how to forgive so that you can forgive me in the same manner that I strive to forgive others. So God, when my spouse offends me, when they come to me and they ask me for forgiveness, though I may still be struggling with it, Lord, would you please help me to forgive them the way that I would like for you to forgive me? Lord, when my children have done things and it's been an offense to me and they come to me and they say, Dad, I'm sorry, Lord, would you help me today to forgive them in the manner in which I should because I know how I want you to forgive me whenever I have sinned against you. God, when that co-worker, God, when that family member, God, when that person at church, God, when that, that friend, God, when that neighbor, God, whenever it is, because of their offense, when they come and they apologize and they seek to make things right, God, would you please help me to learn how to forgive the same way that I expect you to forgive? Because, see, here's what Christ is saying. He is saying this, listen, in the manner in which you forgive, that is the manner in which I will forgive you, period. See, if you look at verse number 14, it's interesting. After Christ finishes the format of prayer for the disciples, he goes back to the subject of forgiveness. And notice what he says in verse number 14. He says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. How many of us need help interpreting all that? It's kind of right there, obvious and clear for us to see, is it not? Christ said, you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Wow. Makes me wonder how many times I've gone to the Lord and said, Lord, forgive me. And he said, nope. Not because I won't or not because I can't, but because you haven't. I mean, I certainly could forgive you and I certainly would forgive you. But here's the problem. You have yet to truly forgive this person who has wronged you. And you have yet to truly forgive this person who has offended you. You know, you're still mad at that co-worker for what they did. Never mind they came to you and as best they knew how, they said they were sorry. Listen, you're still holding that against them. 
And, and you, you know, that, that neighbor that, that's kind of, you know, obnoxious sometimes. They came to you and, and, and they were kind of apologetic. And, and as best they knew how, they, they tried to make things right. And they tried to patch it over. And they tried to soothe things over. And you won't let that go. No, you're still holding on to it. And you know that family member that's been an offense to you, that family member that's hurt your feelings, that family member that has no doubt done some things wrong, well, they came to you, and, and yes, it was kind of a pitiful apology, and yes, it wasn't everything that maybe it should have been, but here's what you're doing is you're still holding on to that. It's not that I can't forgive you. It's not that I won't forgive you or I wouldn't forgive you, but here's the problem. I won't forgive you. Because you have chosen to not forgive other people who have wronged you. Now, I, I don't know if you're sitting here thinking, oh, well, that doesn't happen. Friends, it happens all the time. That, that's how the seeds of bitterness get planted and, and are watered and begin to grow and begin to become foundational parts of people's lives. Because they are not going to let go of whatever the offense, uh, the offense was in the past. And so the person comes to them and they say, I'm sorry, no, I, I can't apologize, or no, I can't forgive, no, I, I can't let that one go, no, I'm just going to have to hold on to that one forever. I'm going to hold on to that one for six months. I'm going to hold on to that one for a year. I'm going to hold on to that one for five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years. And some people go to their grave holding on to offenses that they refuse to let go of. All the while fully expecting the Lord to forgive them of their sins every time they ask the Lord to forgive them. So Christ said, pray in this manner. Pray that I would forgive you in the same manner that you forgive others. Well, I don't want to pray that. Well, I'm telling you, this is how you're supposed to pray. Okay, so what do I need to do? I need to start praying that I would learn to forgive like I expect the Lord to forgive. And, and I know that we know this. That's hard. And that's a challenge. And that's difficult at times. Because, again, my flesh doesn't always want to forgive. And my flesh doesn't always want to say, you are forgiven. And my flesh doesn't always want to make the relationship right. Sometimes I just want to hold on to it and let it smolder and let it brew and just, just you know, let it fester for a while. It's not right. And we cannot expect the Lord to do something for us that we would not be willing to do for someone else. And I know that someone might say something like this. You know, here's my problem. I just can't forget it. I just can't forget it. Did you know that the Scripture never says... We have to forget. But see, if we forgive, we choose not to dwell on that. I wish, I, and, and I'd say this, I'm thankful I have forgotten some things. But some things, they, they do, they scar the mind. And they scar the heart. And you know it's there. That was an offense. Well, that, that was a deep one. But by the grace of God, I will forgive them. 
because I expect and I want the Lord to forgive me. So, no, I, I, I've got to be honest and say it's not that I forget it. It's not that, that I have forgotten it. But here's what I'm going to do by the grace of God. I'm going to choose not to dwell upon the offense or, or the transgression that they committed against me. And that's a discipline of the mind that we have to have the grace of God helping us with. That's a discipline of the mind that we have to have the strength of God helping us with. Because, it, listen, if, if we don't have God helping us to not dwell on certain offenses as it relates to certain people, you know what we'll do? We'll hold on to it forever and truly never let it go, and it will destroy our lives. And then wonder why our relationship with the Lord isn't what we'd like it to be. Your relationship and my relationship with the Lord cannot be what it's supposed to be if my relationship with people is not what it's supposed to be. And in order for my relationship to be with people what it's supposed to be, I am going to have to extend forgiveness many times when I don't want to extend forgiveness. And so this evening, here's what I'd like for you to ask yourself, and here's what I'd like for you to consider, and that is this. Is there anybody in your life that if you're honest, you'd have to just go ahead and admit tonight to yourself, not publicly, but you'd have to admit to yourself, you know what, I don't know that I've ever truly forgiven them. They did this to me, or they did this to my spouse, or they did this to my children, or they did this to my parents, or they did this to my best friend, or they did this, whatever it may be. Is there anybody in your life that... You know that if you gave the Holy Spirit just a moment to work and to speak to your heart, you might have to be honest and say, you know what, I've never truly forgiven them. Because if you've truly forgiven them, you choose not to dwell on whatever the offense was. If you've truly forgiven them, then you don't hold on to the grudge until the day they die or until the day you die. If you and I have truly forgiven... It doesn't mean that the relationship will always be the same because sometimes actions do sever relationships in ways that it can never really be mended back to the way that it once was. But it should be that whenever we hear their name or whenever our paths cross with them, that it doesn't do something to our blood pressure, that it doesn't do something to our emotions and get us riled up. If we've truly forgiven, if we've truly forgiven, then we choose not to dwell on whatever the offense has been. Is there anyone in your life that you have not yet truly forgiven, however many years ago it may be? Listen, it's got to be done, not for their sake, but it has to be done for your sake. And it has to be done for your spiritual health and your spiritual condition, because if we don't forgive, again, Christ said clearly, if you don't forgive men, I'll not forgive you. Somebody says, well, that's just written in Matthew. No, it's written in Mark. I know for sure because I read it yesterday in my Bible reading. And it was like both of these men agree that Christ said this. And it's like, surely couldn't one of you have contradicted him? No, 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 no. Christ said what he meant. And it was recorded as he meant it to be recorded. And we have to deal with it. And so some of us may need to start praying, God, would you help me to forgive? God, would you help me to forgive? And God, would you help me today to just truly let go of it?
Because if I'm going to ask you to forgive me in the same way that I forgive others, then I need a lot of work right now. So I'll stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I do pray that you'd help us tonight to give consideration many times toward the feelings of animosity or bitterness that we hold toward people in our hearts. Lord, I think sometimes we fail to remember that there's a connection.